you guys. You know, last week I finished my sermon and I challenged the church on two things from the song, Joy to the World, make the nations prove that we approve the hope of Jesus to the world and prepare room in our hearts. And I think it was Paul who said, hey, there's a song like that. And they learned that this week. So how about another hand for these guys? They, 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 that was a great song. Such a blessing. Always appreciate our praise team and uh, all the effort and time they put in there. If you've got a Bible, would you get it? Please turn to Luke chapter 2 as we celebrate um, joy today. Uh, as we um, had the, the Roberts family light the pink candle, the shepherd's candle, we're going to look at a familiar text, a traditional text, in just a minute. But I want to take a few minutes before we stand and read. It's going to take a few minutes, but I want to kind of frame out a little bit about what this joy is all about. Uh, we have a lot of things in our, in our culture, in our church, and we talk about joy, we sing songs. Uh, in anticipation, we think of the birth, the birth of Jesus. Isaiah says, Lord, you have multiplied the nations, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you of those who rejoice in the harvest. We think about this as you're turning there. Mary gets word that she's going to be the mother of, of, of the Lord. And this, this beautiful quote, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices. We sing songs like, oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Shepherds, why this jubilee, why your joyous strings prolong? Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. We sing over and over in our culture, in our Christian you know, hymns and, and our carols, a lot about joy. But joy is not happiness, right? I think we all understand that. One of my favorite definitions, I want to just kind of line this out. This is where I want to start with. Tim Keller has a lot to say about joy, but I want to put this and just kind of, kind of get us going here. Joy is delight in God and his salvation for the sheer beauty and worth of who he is. Its opposite is hopelessness and despair. Its counterfeit is elation that comes with blessings, not the blesser. Mood swings based on circumstances. This, this, this joy, if we just set the, 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 the plumb line, joy is delighting in God for who he is. Happiness is based upon things that can change in circumstances. And we see, we see over and over in the scriptures and in life that things happen in life, but people still cling to joy when it seems like there's no reason to do so. I didn't plan on this, but Romans chapter 15 has become kind of a theme verse of our Advent this year. I started with it in week one, where Paul says this, May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Biblical hope is not optimism. Hope is confident expectation of who God is and what he's done. It's rooted in love. That's what we talked about last week. So joy, catch this, joy is a gift. You can't muster it, you can't create it, you can't fabricate it, you can't come up with it. Joy is given to you by the Spirit of the living God, period. And, and I read that over and over, and I'm fixing to have an interaction here in a minute because I do all the talking on Sunday mornings. I'm going to actually challenge you to memorize the Scripture, and you're going to say it out loud in just a minute, okay? Did I wake some people up this morning? Everybody in this room is going to have to say a Scripture by memory together because the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, I'm going to say it, I'm just going to say it once, and you got to do it. Are you with me? <laughs> Some people just woke up. They're like, whoa. Ready for this? Rejoice always. There you go. <laughs> Two words. Two words. Some of y'all thought we were going to do like a whole sentence. I can't memorize that much, okay? So would you repeat after me, rejoice always. But you know, for me, this rejoice always, it is the always that gets me. What about you? Life ever happened when you think, I'm not feeling very joyful right now. 
You see, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He has this understanding that we are to always be joyful. And if we're honest, the life we live in the faith can sometimes feel the way that our kids talk to us on long trips. You ready for this? How much longer? <laughs> You've been in the car for five minutes and your kids go, are we there yet? How, how, or I used to say this to my parents, how many more towns? Like, I, that was the way I calculated it. But here's the thing. I've talked to some of you in this room, some in town and other places. That life happens, and sometimes in the midst of your joy and hope and all the love of Jesus, you are living a life that says, how much longer? This tension in, in this, this advent of Christ has come, he will come again. There's sometimes in life when your life gets purely sucked of joy, if you will, and you're thinking, are you coming back today? How much longer? How many more towns? That's the joke. But how many more? How much longer does that happen? Because my life is not feeling very joyful right now. Now, there may be a small few of you in this room that your life is joyful all the time, but here's the thing. Happiness can be in circumstances. Joy is not bound in those. Which is why some of you in this room and people that I've talked to have gone through loss and tragedy and sickness and, and all these things, but for some weird reason, for some weird reason, you cling to faith and there is something that can't be taken from you. You see, joy is found in things or in life in Christ that can't be taken from you. Easy to say, take my life, health, possessions, relationships, but in Christ, there is true joy. So Paul says, rejoice always. So how, how do we have lasting joy in this imperfect, often ugly world? That's what the Christmas story is about. That's why Christ came. That's why when we look at this story in just a minute, we're going to see Jesus, the announcement of good news and great joy. If you are looking, church, if I am looking for a life of happiness in following Christ, you're not going to find it. But true and lasting joy that comes from Him, that is given to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't fake it until you make it. You can't muster it up. It is a gift to you. That's what baby Jesus came to do. Not just to give us a story, but to come to go to the cross so that we might have hope of eternal life. So there's your intro. If you will turn to your Bibles, Luke 2, and please stand. I'm going to read our text, and we're going to get started. Luke chapter 2, familiar story of the shepherds, this announcement of joy. We're going to walk through this together and see what the Lord has for us today. Luke chapter 2, 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby 
who was lying in a manger. When they found him, they spread word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what these shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and they had seen, which were just as they'd been told. Let's pray together. Church, take just a minute. Take a deep breath, relax, ask the Lord to do something great. I say it every week, I can't change you, you can't change me, but by the Spirit of the living God, that He might change us, that we might see a glimpse of what joy really is, and that we might indeed rejoice always. You know your story, you know what's going on in your life, you know the things that are trying to to steal and to kill and destroy and to to rob you of joy, so just ask Him to, to, to shape and to mold you today if that's your desire. God, it's a joy to come in this place. Um, Thank you for this familiar story that we get to walk through and see in the messiness of this world, if joy is indeed a gift that comes from you and you alone, may we view this story that way. That you stepped out of heaven and you came to this earth with purpose. Help us to see that. Help us to personalize that. And Father, if there's anybody in this room that's just feeling an absence of joy. May you renew that today. I'm not, I'm not saying that necessarily you're going to fix their circumstances, Father, but I'm saying would you just reveal to them in their inner being, in their souls, in their spirit, by yours, that there's joy. That we might delight in you because of who you are. And that might be enough. We ask it in the great name of Jesus. Amen. You be seated. Well, I was looking online this week before we get into our text, and I saw a funny idea. Well, I say it was funny. It was talking about, you know, online where um, you, you, you see these articles, and, and the, the, you know, the articles were like some crazy absurd thing that, that makes you want to click on it so that you'll read this article, something, something absurd. Uh, and and this, this, this thing online that I was talking about was like, what if they didn't have internet or newspapers or things like that back in, in ancient times, but I guarantee you a lot of the things in this Christmas story would make headlines, right? Something would make you go, say, what happened? So I, I thought it'd be kind of fun to give you a couple. Uh, I, I, I talked to my wife a little bit too. The funny ones are probably hers. You know, some, one that I found that I think is really funny. It's not, anyway. So, so here's a couple of, of news headlines from the Christmas story that might make news that you might think, oh, I'm going to click on that one because I want to see what's going on. How about this one? Woman claims God, fiance says, it's not my baby. There you go. See, that one funny. What about this one? Man won't divorce wife because angel said her baby's the Messiah. Man, I'd click, I'd click that to see what's going on with this story. How about this one? Three not-so-wise gifts to bring to a baby shower. There you go. There you go. How about this? Town overcrowded, baby born in a horse trough. Or if you like, like you said, we want to blame the government, here's a better one for you. Rome unprepared. Bethlehem crowding leaves baby to be born in a horse trough. There you go, if you want to do that. Or a pregnant woman seen riding a donkey. Roman census is to blame. There you go, there's another one. Or in light of today's text, bright lights, singing, angels, shepherds declare newborn baby is Israel's Messiah. These are those just funny headlines, but things, you know, I would click on that. I guarantee you when word travels, even this familiar story about all that happened, we can sometimes go, 
born of a virgin, shepherds, angels. It's just kind of what we do. Put yourself in the story of all the things that are taking place that you would definitely think, I want to know what's taking, what's going on here. In this story, we see three things, and I'm going to talk about joy. Joy being announced, joy being responded to, and how joy was shared based upon this amazing story of Jesus, his birth, and the announcement. Let's look at the first one, this announcement of joy, verses 8 through 14. There were shepherds that were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. One angel, an angel, appeared to them saying, glory, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, and that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and here's your sign. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared to the angel. Praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men with whom his favor rests. So we see this announcement of joy. When you think about the birth announcement of Jesus, this is a familiar story, but I just don't want you to miss this. We think about what took place here. We don't see any fanfare. We don't see a public spectacle. We don't, we, we don't see any of that. We see the birth of Jesus announced to a bunch of lowly working shepherds. These shepherds in the first century were considered the lowliest and the loneliest. These shepherds were considered untrustworthy. Now hear this. This is, this is profound. When you think about the, the, the PR department of, of Jesus' birth, these the shepherds, they were the loneliest and the loneliest, and they were basically social outcasts that even in the court of law, if something took place and they were called in, they wouldn't even listen to a shepherd's testimony. Yet some reason, somehow, this is the PR department for God's announcement of his birth comes to these, these shepherds. I think it's ironic that we're, we see this over. Normal guys, blue collar, common people, his birth was announced. And we see throughout the, the, the entire ministry of Jesus, it, it, it keeps going and going, this entire ministry of Jesus, Jesus seems to, to seek the downtrodden, the demonized, the lonely, the sick, the tax collectors. He hung around with more people that, that, that some didn't want to be around. But what's fascinating about this birth announcement was that it wasn't given any secular religious rulers of the land, no politicians, no celebrities, no paparazzi, no, no famous athletes, no military leaders of power, not even religious leaders, no one of prominence, just some blue-collar workers out in the field. Now, just rhetorically speaking, why do you think that is? Why do you think God chose to do this? You see, I think, I don't know the answer to that, to be honest with you. I think, but, but God seems to flip things upside down because in our culture today, if you wanted to make something happen, you better come up with a fancy headline, get you a celebrity, make it a thing of promise. But God seems to not do that. These shepherds in verse 8, they lived out in these fields. They were isolated. They were with animals more than most people. And in the middle of the night, verse 8 says, all of a sudden, an angel appeared to them. What did the angel say in verse 10? We talked about this before. Don't be afraid. Something about angels, whether it be the resurrection, to marry, all this over and over, the first thing, something about the angels was their, their prominence or the way that they looked or their presence. But the, the, the first thing out of their mouths always was, don't fear. Now, this wasn't a boo. <laughs> I'm going to scare you. This was a, a, a respect in, in, in seeing something of prominence with these angels that the angel said, don't be afraid. I'm going to bring you good news of great joy. We all love good news, right? 
baby showers, announcements, parties, invites, all those kind of things. But this good news of, of great joy had come, and it's come for everyone, for all people. And this good news is the fact that the Messiah has come. Because you know what? To enjoy the good news, you've got to understand the bad news. And the bad news, based upon Scripture, tells us that in, in Ephesians, Paul says that, remember, that at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship excuse me, in Israel, and you were foreigners to the covenant of God's promise, without hope and without God in the world. You see, us as sinners in this world, that we are separated. God created all things that's perfect, and sin enters and, and messes it all up. And as we talk to our children, the only person that can fix this sin problem is God, and God chose to do it by stepping out of heaven and coming to be born of a virgin, coming to this place to live a perfect, sinless life so that he might go to the cross and die your death. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Christmas. That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, didn't, I say this all the time, didn't bring us from bad to good. He brought us from death to life. He made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our sins. It is by his grace that we've been saved. That is the gift of this good news that has come for all. Verse 10 says, the angel said to all of them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news. It's of great joy. That's for everyone. I joke all the time about the original language, all means all. Now look at me this morning. Some of you, maybe you're not feeling very joyful right now. Some of you might have been going through loss and pain and suffering and things like that, things that are going on, that, that you're just kind of wondering, man, I remind you of what I said earlier. Joy is a gift. You can't fake it. You can't muster it. You can't just kind of fabricate it and come up with it. It is a gift to you by the Holy Spirit alone. But that's why Christ has come. And that all is you. So Jesus' birth had just been announced to these guys. Verse 11, the Savior is born in Bethlehem. And I wonder in the shepherd's mind. Now, we could trace this go as far as we can. But I wonder, Micah 5, 2 in prophecy says this. But you... Bethlehem, Ephathra, I think I said that right, you who are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. I wonder if these shepherds, after being told this, reflected back. Reflected back on, 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 on anticipating and waiting. Now, if you remember over the last, last year, I preached through the book of John. And I know you remember all those sermons. It was about 54 of them. I know you do. Thank you for remembering. But one of the sermons, I, was, I talked about the woman at the well. And Jesus showed up, and he's talking to her. And I, I put this in my notes because I was thinking about it. Do you remember when Jesus is talking about, and she says, oh, yeah, the Messiah, he comes, he's going to explain all of it. Do you, remember, do you remember what Jesus tells her? Yeah, that's me. Did, but here's my point of telling you this. She and they are looking for him. They're anticipating the Messiah. He's going to come. Now, he was a full-grown man at the time, and she's still looking and missing it. And Jesus says, yeah, I'm right here. It's me, the living water at the well. So I wonder if these shepherds and those in this culture and those in this time, they were looking and anticipating the first coming of Jesus, of the Messiah. Some missed it. But I think about these shepherds. I think about the woman. I think about them. They were looking and anticipating the Messiah to come. Back to Luke 2, verse 13. Suddenly, we had one angel. Suddenly, verse 13, there's a great company of heavenly hosts that appear with the angel, and a worship service breaks out amongst the angels, singing glory to God in the highest, peace to men on whom his favor rests. All of a sudden, you talk about headlines, 
all of a sudden, one angel pierced the darkness. They're out in the field. They are scared to death. We used to joke about these, these grown men probably having childhood little girl screams of being terrified of what just took place. And then now, a great multitude. In, we don't know. Lord of hosts is one of the, one of the Lord's names, and that talks about a, a, an angel army. So we don't know the number of angels that showed up. But it was enough to freak them out, if I could say that. It's enough to make them go, holy cow, what, what's going on here? There are, the, the skies are packed. The Lord of hosts, this Lord of heavenly armies, the God of heavenly hosts, a worship service breaks out in this glorious worshipful moment. And what is their response? The second thing is we see this joy announced. We see the response. Look at verse 15. This is number two. After the clouds clear, the skies clear, the angels go back. Verse 15 says the angels had left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that just happened. Like, I don't think that's a calm statement. I was like, I think there's probably more there. I think Luke recorded this, but I think they're probably going, what in the world just happened? Don't tell anybody about that scream I just let out. I'm telling you. But let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that happened, which the Lord just told us about. Now, newsflash, did you see what happened? They didn't say the angels. They didn't say, hey, hey, uh, let's go see that, that, little, that little angel thing that has happened. Let's go see if that's true. They said, the Lord just told us. The angels represented the Lord and spoke to them, and they valued that, and they viewed that as the Father in heaven speaking to them. In verse 16, they hurried off, and they found Mary. Don't, don't miss 16. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So often in verse 16, I just kind of read past it because we think, we obviously know it's there. Do you wonder, put yourself in the story, do you wonder in that walk, however far that was, where they walk and say, do you think, do you think this is really going to happen? I won't tell anybody how you screamed, if you won't tell anybody how I screamed, but this whole angel thing, but then they get there and picture them as they walk into that, that what we call the nativity scene, and they show up, and they walk in there, and they lay eyes on it. They see it. What would go through your mind, having just experienced all of that, and you show up on the scene? Whoa. There. He's here. These guys had a decision. After that happened, they could blow it off and go back to work. That just happened, whatever but they chose to obey and to go and do what they were told. They weren't even told to go. They weren't even commanded to go. They simply saw and were, 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 were announced this, and they responded out of holy curiosity, if you want to call it that. They had to go see about this baby that's been foretold by the prophets. This gospel announcement, if you will, of Jesus that had, that had come. And I think about them again in that journey as they're walking. Maybe they're recalling what Isaiah said in 714. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, and we're gonna, he's gonna, she's going to give birth to a son, and we're going to call him Emmanuel. 700 years B.C., before the birth of Christ. Do you wonder sometimes if they, they started reflecting and thinking about the prophecies and thinking about, maybe it's true, maybe this is going to be it, maybe it is, and then they get there and they lay eyes on him. Talk about having your mind blown. They found him. They arrive, they see Mary, Joseph, and the baby in the manger. Prophecy fulfilled. So what is their response? What might they do when they see what the angels had declared to them? 
And look at the verse 17. They shared their joy. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told to them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. When Mary, excuse me, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, glorifying, excuse me, and praising God for all the things that they had heard and they had seen, which is just as they've been told. What would be your first reaction if you had just showed up on the scene and seen that? Now, I'm not trying to, there's no curveballs here today. Would you want to tell people? You probably would. You'd probably be so panicked and so excited and so overwhelmed and so this. But here's the conviction for me in my soul. Let me just throw this out at you. Where is that excitement? Where is that enthusiasm? When is the last time that you have told somebody about Jesus and the joy that comes? Can I, can I be, I'll say guilty in front of you, all of you, but can I just, sometimes I get so busy and doing this and preaching sermons and trying to do the church and trying to chase kids and do all this stuff, and I'm like, have I told anybody about the joy that comes with Christmas? Am I so busy worshiping him that I don't share him with anybody? These guys had a job to do. They left it. They went. I'm not saying don't leave your job. Don't get, I'm not saying that. But I mean that when I tell you, sometimes in the Christian culture and in the church, we can be so about the worship and praising of this baby that has come, but we ain't told a soul. Good news is to be shared, right? It's for all people. You're all people. Your family's all people. You're extended all people. The people and the all people that you don't even want to see at Christmas with your great uncle Billy so-and-so. There's Uncle Billy, I'm sorry. Somebody, uh, people that you think, man, I don't know. But people at work, people at school, people on your team, people that think, yeah, you go to church every Sunday, but you ain't said a word to me. I told you stories all the time about people I go to school with and, and things like that, look back, and, and people that we work with and people that have told me, I wish I, wish I would have shared Jesus with them. I wish I would have said something to them. What is your response to joy? Is it to celebrate it? Man, Christmas is special. The Savior has come to save me and to redeem me. Praise God for that. But joy is given by Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. But this joy is to be shared, right? I keep thinking about the social outcast nature of these guys. I told you earlier, I didn't try to bore you with what, who they were. People wouldn't listen to them. But God's PR department is these guys, and, he, and the scripture tells us they told people, and people were amazed at what they told them. Click, yeah, click, I want to see what's going on here. If we claim to know Christ, if we celebrate all of the trappings of Christmas, I wonder sometimes if we might be, could do better at sharing the joy. Not just celebrating it, but sharing. I love how in the book of Acts, as I kind of wrap this up a little bit, how Jesus commissioned his followers to tell the world that he's the, the risen king of the world. And that became their reputation. Acts 13, 52 says this, catch this. After being persecuted for talking about Jesus, 52 says this, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Spirit. What a reputation, right? What a reputation for being filled with the Spirit. Remember I told you, joy and the Spirit are inseparable. Filled with the Spirit and filled with joy. The early Christian communities in the early church, Acts 13, were known for being full of joy 
and the Holy Spirit. That was their reputation. And I, I, I think about us, and I, I talked about how the Spirit and joy are inseparable. But what about us? Whether you're visiting this morning, passing through, or whether you're here every Sunday, if you call Christ your Lord and your Savior and your King, that He has come for all people, He is our joy. How's that playing out in daily life? For me, I can boil it down to two things. And this is maybe just for me. Let me just throw this out at you. If you're a note taker, you can write this down if you want to. Two things. For me to have joy, to truly have joy, it boils down to two things. Confidence and contentment. Confidence in saying, I believe and know and trust in who he says he is. And the contentment comes with, he's enough. He's sufficient. My joy is not found in whether things work out, whether the pocketbook is full, whether things are going good at work, whether my kids are healthy, whether all these things happen, all of the things are lost or tragic, all these things that are, that are so difficult and nobody wants to make light of. But you know those stories. The best sermons ever are where people of God are like, I've got no reason to have joy, but I do. I've lost a loved one. I'm battling cancer. Struggling raising my kids. My marriage is struggling, all of these things, but somehow there is joy that cannot and will not be taken. So a lot can happen, but I want to challenge you with this traditional story of this is, do you find confidence in this joy that comes from Jesus? And are we content in him? Because we, church, we can celebrate this all we want. But you know what's going to happen? I'm going to pray in a minute. We're going to go. We're going to do a quick business meeting. We're going to go back to life. You're going to go to work tomorrow, and something's going to happen. Something will take, try to rob you of that. The enemy would love to steal, kill, and destroy, especially in this season. Because we put up all the lights and do all these things, but for some it's such a dark time right now. Because they don't have hope. They don't know the love of Jesus. And they don't have joy that can not be taken from them. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you know Christ, but you put, you've banked all of your hope circumstances, as long as things are working out, it's all right. But I just want to challenge you, because it's been challenging to me about my true confidence. My true confidence, like I believe and I trust by faith, and I'm content with no matter what, you're enough. Because a lot can happen. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and I could tell you text messages from this morning. I had an uncle that passed away this morning. I can tell you about stories of people that are doing treatments and all these kind of things that are going on. Had a friend of mine that's, that had to take his dad and put his dad on palliative care and just, just waiting. There's a lot of things that can happen that's going to try to rob you of that. And we can celebrate and we can do all the things, but I just want to ask you, if, since you're here this morning, how's your joy? Where is your joy found in? Are you confident in him and content in him? And I'm reminded of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.10, what he's he was full of joy, oh, sorry, full of sorrow, yet rejoicing. Paul made the choice to trust Jesus and that no matter what his loss was, it would not be the final word. I don't know what you're going through. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a minute. My challenge today is this, is this traditional story of, of, of joy that has come for all people. If you know Christ as Lord and Savior, praise God for that. But how's your joy? Are we so busy that we hadn't shared it with anybody? 
Is there somebody in the room today that maybe you've never given your life to Christ and we're celebrating a lot of this, this hope in Jesus of what this looks like and when he has come and he'll come again, but the spirit-filled joy is void in our life because we don't know him. Maybe today could be that day. Would you take just a moment before we stand and sing just to challenge your heart? See if you do find confidence and contentment in him. Because true joy, as we defined earlier, is delighting in God for who he, he is. You pray. Would you stand as I pray, please? <clears throat> Father, I've gotten pretty good at celebrating you. Uh, I'm not always good at sharing you. I've gotten pretty good at, at, at rejoicing in, in all the great things that come with this season. But if I'm honest, so often it's just for me. I, I kind of I turn it all on me. And Father, there's somebody here today that this, their life does not feel very joyful. Maybe life has happened and they feel robbed of that. May they turn to you. By your Spirit, who gives joy, would you renew that? Would you fall fresh on the hearts of those who need it? Would you embolden the hearts in this room that need to to share joy with others, that our response would be to share joy for all the nations to see. And God, maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know you. They know all the stories, but they've never given their life, so they don't have joy. They're not filled with your spirit, so they don't have it. I pray that you would meet them as well. Above all, Lord, we just thank you so much because we get to look back and see this story of you coming to rescue, redeem the lost, and bring us from death to life by your death, your burial, and your resurrection. And we get to look ahead and anticipate you coming back. But in this meantime, it can get tense sometimes. May we as your people not just celebrate joy, but to live in it and to share it with confidence and full contentment in you. So bless this time, Lord. We ask it all in your name. Amen.